Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Life in a Leo, episode 20. I'm your host, Rebecca Denrove, and I just want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to my show. It really means a lot. This week, I interviewed one of my favorite Soul Cycle instructors, Erin Kirschenbaum. If you've never been to a Soul Cycle class before, let me give you some context. You wear cycling shoes that clip into a stationary bike. The flywheel of the bike is weighted, and you work out as hard as you can in a dark room with bumping loud music for about 45 minutes. The reason I love it is because it is much about you as it is the energy in the room. The teachers try to get you to move to the beat of the music and rhythm with your fellow classmates. This sort of reminds me of gymnastics. It sort of has an individual vibe and a team component. I also like that I can get a full body workout in 45 minutes and I love how much I sweat. So you might be wondering, how does this relate to life in a Leo? Well, let's dive into the episode so you can find out. Hi Erin, this is Rebecca with Life in a Leo. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on who you are and why I invited you to interview with us today. Hi, so my name is Erin Hirschenbaum. And I am a soul cycle instructor. And I met you, Rebecca, in class in Brooklyn. But what we really connected on was that I also had a life in a Leo. Soul cycle <laughs> should get some some leotards for us to wear. But um <laughs> but I was a dancer my entire life since I was probably like five years old and trained very intensively up until around 18, where I had that fork in the road of college and or deciding to pursue my dance career and I kind of went with the college route and even though there's so many opportunities to dance in college um, I kind of at that time in my life said I think I want to be normal whatever that really means Um, (laughs) but here I find myself now working in fitness so it's kind of funny I always joke with my parents I'm yet like four years a lot of tuition and here we are but um, I'm an instructor at Soul Cycle. I found Soul Cycle by way of getting very into yoga during college, just because I had to be moving my body. And um, and yeah, I teach about 13 classes a week at Soul Cycle. Oh my God, that's amazing! But why don't we take a step back? Can you give us some insight into what your life was like those 13 years of from five to 18, where you were? really fully immersed in the dance world? So I played a lot of sports, played instruments, kind of did that whole like child, like every single season would bring a new activity. But at Uh some point down the line, I don't know how I convinced my parents of this. That's what I really look back at now. I'm like, oh my God, the amount of driving to different dance classes. (laughs) I'm sure you can, um, can agree with that. But I, I zeroed in on dance mainly because art and music always seemed very natural to me. Like it kind of confused me like that it didn't come naturally to everyone. And I think a good comparison is how like math seems very unnatural to me, but it comes very (laughs) naturally to others. I played the trumpet. I was the only girl who played the trumpet and I was really into music and never like seemed to, it always just seemed to kind of come naturally. I was pretty small growing up, so playing sports was fun. I was athletic until someone who was bigger than me knocked me down and I was like, what am I doing here? My older sister was also very into dance and she was like my biggest cheerleader the entire time. 
but I focused on dance and I started training with Boston Ballet School and pretty quickly I started training intensively like five days a week then six days a week and they have a track where you're really just dancing all the time you go right from your winter semester right into your summer programs leaving school early being in the nutcracker and other performances in downtown boston um so it was really my life and i remember not thinking it was that unique or special which I look back now, I'm like, I cannot believe that instead of going to like field hockey practice in the local sub shop, I was like driving to downtown Boston at age 10. But, um, but I just remember thinking like that was it, like this little world of ballet and everything that it could entail and all of the, the drama and the fun and the competition and, and the striving and the beauty, like all of that was just like my little world and the friendships and the tears that came with it too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Now, how, how far from Boston did you grow up? I, like what, what was that commute? Um, I grew up in Quincy, so it's right south of Boston. So it's only like a 30 minute commute. So it wasn't that okay. wild, but I remember my parents driving out of the city from work and then driving me to dance classes back into the city. Like so much time spent in the car. And then in high school, when I finally got my license, anyone who danced at Boston Ballet would meet at my high school. Like anyone who lived kind of south of Boston like me, I had a little gang of bunheads that I would throw into my (laughs) Volkswagen and drive them into Boston for class. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So did you only focus on ballet or were there other styles of dance that you trained as well? Um, Really, the focus was ballet. It, It seemed like it was like the end all be all. Like... When I was in it, there was just so much to learn and so much to aspire to in the Mm -hmm. ballet world that we all kind of put it on this pedestal that another thing I look back at now that I'm out of the dance world, I'm like, there are some amazing other forms of dance, (laughs) but I just never really valued them to that way. (laughs) So like I have vivid memories of us like pretending to be ill so we wouldn't have to go to modern class. And like, and just like wanting to wear our point shoes to like the hip hop class they signed us up for, like that whole kind of thing. And yeah, so it was really mainly ballet. And there is this world, as I'm sure you know, with gymnastics that is vast. Ballet is its own little kind of like micro universe. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I, I was one of the few, we always had dance as part of our training. Yeah. And it's so funny the way you talk about hip hop and, modern you know we we sort of had the same attitude toward dance I was one of the few people who really loved yeah taking that hour to do ballet yeah. but most of my teammates hated it they just wanted to be out there flipping and swinging on the bars so totally. I, can, I can relate yes yes <laughs> what what was it about ballet that you fell in love with or you know what kept you driven um I think I have like a pretty strong imagination and just um just like envisioning this goal for myself and feeling like the challenge was a fun challenge and feeling the parts of it that did come naturally to me. And then as I got older, like the parts that didn't come as naturally to me, um, definitely 
just like the music and the performance of it all too. It's really interesting. Like I'm sure we'll get to talking about Soul Cycle in a bit, but it's Soul Cycle is actually like a ballet dancer's like biggest nightmare because <laughs> like you have to like entertain with something other than your technique and your musicality and your body's shapes that it can make. Mm -hmm. Like like it's so much personality. So it's almost like it's like I was using all of that and directing it towards this one way of expressing myself. And I mm -hmm. think I was also super lucky just to have really supportive parents and be close to like a major city too, that I had access to these world-class dancers and the performances and um, the summer programs that we got to go to. So like everything felt really possible too, which is another thing mm -hmm. I look back at and love. That's awesome. What was, do you have like a favorite ballet? Um, for me, it's, it's really funny. It's anything by Valentine, probably Serenade uh -huh. is one of my absolute favorites, which is funny because I've never actually danced it, but to witness it, to see it is amazing. The ballet school that I went to was predominantly the Veganova method, which is a Russian kind <laughs> of like old school, very classical method. My first summer program that I went to that was Balanchine was Pacific Northwest Ballet. And something about that clicked in me. I think I was at like the right age too. I was like 13 or 14 where I was like, this is it. And every single summer program I would go to afterwards was that style of dancing. So I really started to champion that and put that at the top of my uh, like pedestal in terms of what kind of ballets I loved and how I liked to dance. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I guess, so when you performed, did you have like a favorite costume or just uh, even through training and stuff, were you always like black leotard pink tights? Uh, yeah. Like oh my goodness. So we had <laughs> like, I at the time, like it's probably still holds true, thought we had the worst uniforms ever. Though I will say <laughs> I did train in the summers at Suzanne Farrell. She was Balanchine's muse and she has a, a program at the Kennedy Center. And the, the the uniform was white leotards. And I remember like the gasp that I felt when I, when I saw that. But I also kind of was like, all right, I can do this. But as I'm sure you know, white leotards are crazy. But, yeah. um, but at Boston, we always had these like hunter greens and navy blues. And like all we craved to wear was a black leotard because like nothing, nothing would beat that. But you would be in a color based on your level. So it was like maroon and uh navy but i remember when so classen was a leotard company in new york city and if you came back and you for some reason had a maroon or a navy leotard that was made by classen like you were cool like you had made it because <laughs> it meant that your parents took you to new york city so that's cool and it meant yep. that you got this like custom made leotard so there was such like a status and like coming home with a new class in leotard and then it kind of evolved in like yumiko came out and those were really cool Basically, I felt the best in like anything that that I made myself or was hard to get your hands on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like in terms of costumes and stuff, what um, was your favorite one to perform in? I think my favorite costume was anything that had a real tutu because mm -hmm. up until a certain age, you're always kind of dancing in these like fake tutus that are just like poofy tool around your waist. <laughs> And it's not like the real ballerina, like step into it, like 
hooking eye mm. in, like big tutu. So I think that was probably like any time that I got to to wear a real one, I felt like. And another thing with ballet is that the costumes are like passed down and whoever wore them before you like their initials will be in it normally so you would kind of get to see like if we were performing with the school you'd be like which principal dancer or which dancers tutu am I wearing um -hmm. which was which was like kind of amazing in its own right yeah that's really that's really cool yeah so like a little bit of a legacy kind of thing yeah so what do you think triggered the decision when you were like 18 what was that thought process like? Was it like you you had decided that it was either dance or college and nowhere in between? Mm-hmm. Or how, how yeah, I like created that way that we do when we create um, like insane standards for ourselves. And then we uh-huh. we let everything around us support them. You know, it's like you you have an idea in your mind and you're like, now from this point on, the way I see the world is just going to support that. So I basically saw it like as if if I didn't get into a major ballet company, then like I wasn't going to dance because along with all the amazing aspects of growing up as a ballet dancer, there were so many um, sacrifices made and probably resentments built and attitudes and things that I thought to be true in my own little mind that I was really ready for it to be that black and white. Um, uh-huh. Things that are very expected, like body type, I find it so interesting that the time in your ballet career that you are the most likely to be able to become a really amazing dancer and to learn so much and have so much exposure and experience is also the time in a woman's body where you're the most like vulnerable to all of the different things with puberty and with weight gain and with just not being comfortable it's so interesting and I I would hope yeah I don't know if it's the case that support in that realm is better now than it was the 10 years ago 15 years ago that (laughs) I was going through that but I just remember really so much was based on that um, and it's funny now because I'm like super fit now, <laughs> like, which is just like a fact because of how much I work out that I'm like, oh my God, if I, if I had only known that like, it's normal to gain weight when you're 16 years old and to like feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable, like if only there was some kind of guidance, acceptance, like I could have been focusing my energy on my art form and not on what I thought my legs looked like, you know? Right. So um, I think all of that built up that pressure, the the things that I just thought were and weren't possible, the energy, like all of it put me in this place where I was like, it's all or nothing. And it's it's okay too. like that's another another thing that I've taken and kind of learned from like the ballet experiences that's really what life it life is like that there's going to be times when you're in your head there's going to be times where like you create these these choices for yourself and it's okay mhm um that's so interesting so did you guys did you have somebody that helped with nutrition or talked about that or was it really you were on your own to figure out what proper nutrition was and how to um, best take care of your body um to be honest like no, like it was a very, if now I look back and it was a very antiquated situation. And mm-hmm. if we did have a nutritionist, I'll tell you right now, that nutritionist was not well. 
you know, uh-huh. like, uh-huh. like the, it really in this like day and age where like, it was like not politically correct yeah. at all, which like the arts in which like, I'm sure gymnastics can be like, the support was not there. The unspoken was not, was the unspoken expectations were there. The, yep. uh, the lose 10 pounds over the summer and you'll get bumped up a level. Like that was there. When people asked me about like black swan, is it really like that? I'm like, no, but like, that is very present. And now at 30 years old, I can like really see it much clearer than I did then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such a, it was a reality. And I hope that, that ballet schools are changing with the times and are supporting their students better. I'm sure there are some that definitely are. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think for all sports, um, there's definitely a lot more awareness. And I think it's parents being more aware too, Mm -hmm. people being less afraid to ask the questions. Yeah. So, cool. So you decided to go to college and to, was it just like a hard hard stop? You stopped dancing and you went to school and that was it? Yeah, kind of. So like the summer before school, I was dancing and I actually had like my first like paid ballet company experience but it was for like a traveling um it wasn't for a full season it was with Suzanne Farrell has a company that is based out of the Kennedy Center and we went to Scotland to perform and it was almost like it was my last hurrah it was like the first time that I had like point shoes like delivered for me paid for by a company like it felt like this like farewell tour but I had already (laughs) kind of decided like you know what I'm going to I'm going to end this and I'm gonna, um, go to school. And it was kind of a hard stop. I did take some classes, but I kind of fell right. I was already doing yoga. I was already doing yoga already, like through the end of my ballet career. And I dove right from ballet into yoga pretty intensively. And then I got like a, a a part-time job at Lululemon during college. And I was like, okay, now I'm a yogi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny how that transition happened. Yeah. Where did you go to school? I went to Boston University. I stayed in Boston after having grown up there. And a lot of people are like, so how did you choose New York? I'm like, literally to get out of Boston. But <laughs> also because I, a lot of my friends happen to be moving here. I've been here for 10 years now almost. So... And what did you study? I studied business, which is hilarious for me to say because math is not my strong suit. I literally like crawled through those courses, but I was a marketing focus. So cool. Yeah. And how did you find SoulCycle? What was that like? So uh, with Lululemon, which had been like my part-time little gig throughout college, I knew I wanted to move to New York before I knew that I had another job waiting for me. So I just mm-hmm. transferred with Lululemon and did various kind of roles for them at either different stores. And I also went and opened a pop-up in the Hamptons. So for about, I think almost two years, I was still in the city working for um, Lululemon in various different capacities as it was growing a lot at that time. It was like 2011, um, 2012. And then through working for them, I started taking various fitness classes in the city, lots of yoga, but then all of a sudden lots of soul cycle as well. And I think in a way that yoga didn't, I all of a sudden was like, wait a second, I hate cardio. I hate working out, but I will not lose the rhythm. I will not get off of the beat. 
And that is mm-hmm. what reignited this like athlete inside of me and the dancer inside of me that was, uh-uh, like there is music playing. I am moving to the rhythm. And that is what got me into SoulCycle. Oh, that's awesome. And SoulCycle was pretty young at that time too. Like yeah. they were just starting to blow up as well. Yeah, it was right around the time. I think they had like three studios in the city, Tribeca, Upper East and Upper West. And yeah, there was a really small amount of instructors. And this is one of my favorite stories to actually tell during class, whenever mm-hmm. it kind of like comes into the forefront of my mind, because I auditioned to be a Soul Cycle instructor. And it was at that time in my life where I was like 23, really like was living in New York, but like didn't feel like it was home, was hanging out, like going out with people that you're like, do I even like you? Just in that time <laughs> in your life where you're like, what is going on? And I auditioned and I was, the level of nervous was insane. Like I knew I was a good writer because through the ballet mind of mine, I had these crazy like standards for myself and really pushed myself in class. Like I knew I could ride well. I didn't tell anyone really I was auditioning because I was so nervous. I got up on the podium and I said, hi, my name's Erin. I'm really shy, but I'm going to do this. <laughs> and they were like, okay. And then I got up and did it. it. I kind of blacked out doing it. And then I was promptly told in a few days that I didn't get the job. And I remember just feeling so crushed, like so mortified, which is like another thing that I'm like looking back, I'm like, who cares? But one of the reasons I didn't get the job is because I got up there and I announced to the room that I'm shy. And it's like, Mm. that was literally like me, my, my intention in doing it was like, I'm shy. So don't judge me too harshly because I'm shy. But that was me getting up there and totally telling them who I was. And like, people will believe you when you tell them who you are. And they're like, you actually can't be shy if you're going to be a soul cycle instructor. <laughs> so I look back at that and I'm like, okay, what you say about yourself really matters. What you're going to say about yourself, people will listen to you. So mm-hmm. I got up the courage to audition again about six months later after like swearing it off for a week and then being like, okay, get over yourself. And the second <laughs> time I got it and I got up there and I just did the best I could. I'm sure it wasn't that great. Ever since then, like, I really feel that like what you announce and what you say about yourself, people don't have all the time to decide if it's really true. They're just going to take it as true. Mm -hmm. So that was like my little learning in that. So when you were up there, you were basically teaching a class. Um, I taught three songs to a, a group of fellow auditionees. So got it. Yeah. And is there like a panel of judges or something sitting in the room? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, people who work on the training team are there. And like now that I look back, like so many people will take my class and ask for advice because they want to audition. And Mm -hmm. I know no matter what I say, they like partially won't believe me. But it is so not about if you're a great writer, like you can teach someone to be a great writer, you know, uh-huh. it is about the energy, the, the connection. Can you make eye contact? Can you like speak from your belly? Like, can you just like hold space? And this is not to say that I was doing any of that at that time. Like sometimes I laugh, but um, <laughs> that being said, like, that's really what they're looking for because like anyone can teach fitness. I'm sure as you know, like the reason you come to Soul Cycle is not just use your triceps you know that's not just like and the reason people come back to my class isn't because I can like count down from eight very clearly you know like right it's more about the connection it's more about like when you vibe with someone when like 
when you kind of share that experience together. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so cool. How competitive is it now to become an instructor? It is super competitive. And like, I literally bowed down to all the new instructors, like joining our team, training after training, because it's really hard those first few years to find your footing and build a following. The company mm -hmm. is really gives you a lot of resources to do so, but just like supply and demand, like there's so many more soul cycles now and so many more instructors and people have known the brand for longer now that you're, it's going to be more rare that you're someone's first class. So, um, it's definitely really competitive. I definitely know that they're looking for people who, who want it to be more than fitness and they, they do mm -hmm. set up the, um, situation so you do feel like it's a career for sure but it's hard it's definitely hard how do you prepare for classes and and are you just staying fit by teaching everything that you teach now or do you take additional classes yeah in addition to what you teach to stay fit yeah so staying fit has like a total different definition to me now than it did probably eight years ago um mm -hmm. saying fit used to be like how my body look if i felt like I was like looking a certain way and now it's like so much more about energy and overall health and well-being, mainly because the side effects of these cardio high intensity classes are like, like my, my body is, just reacts in a way that I will be very fit, but I can be very depleted if I don't take care of myself, both <laughs> physically and mentally. So it's never... For me, like SoulCycle does it. it, and it's more about energy and more about um, like boundary maintenance, which is a weird way to put it. But you have to um, to teach as much and give as much because I could ride the bike with my eyes closed silently and yeah. not be holding space, and like I could do that probably double as much. But the connection and like the energy takes like an enormous amount of focus and concentration and like enormously strong boundaries. And what I mean by that is like being able to enter a space and knowing like what's mine and what is someone else's and really nothing that anyone can do or the weather can do or my laptop can go out can shake that if that makes sense because if i walked in and someone gave me like a weird look and i decided they hated me and i decided that i'm awful and all of that little like rapid fire that goes on in your mind if that yeah. happened to me right before i stepped up on the podium like i'd be done like i mm. like i you know like i would be so drained by that it's this constant like give and take of like always being willing to learn but really trusting that like you know what you're doing. You're there for the right reasons. For instance, I'm teaching in a class that is like not my normal class or I don't know anyone in the room or like something's going wrong. Like sometimes it's too hot in the room or too cold. Like I like close my eyes. And I'm like, what is the intention of this 45 minute period? Like, why do I do this? And it's to make other people feel good. And the way that I'm trying attempting to make them feel good is by them discovering the strength that they already possess. And like, what does it take for that to happen? Do we need to sit down and just like roll out our legs and like shimmy to the beat? Like, do we need a laugh? Do we need to actually get quiet? What is it? Um, and that's kind of what brings me back. I don't know if that answered your question or went too far no, off the awesome. edge. What, where do you see 
yourself going? Like, how do how do you see your career evolving as a fitness professional? That's a really good question. I turned 30. I, I said that I was 30 earlier, but I actually turned 30 in like, what is it, like 23 days, I think. So, <laughs> so like, it feels like, like, I don't even know if I believe in any of that, like Saturn, Mercury, retrograde, Saturn return, but apparently big shifts are happening for me. Um, <laughs> so I, I have been pondering this question a lot because I just celebrated my five-year anniversary with SoulCycle. And in my fourth year, I was promoted to senior instructor. Um, wow. So like there's been like things happening within that life for me. And mm -hmm. I will say it is the kind of job that only gets better because like you get more comfortable and your following gets more widespread and just stronger. So those are definite pluses. But I don't know. Like I, I, I definitely think from like my my desire and passion, like to even be a business major in college. Like I definitely think that I, I could add, um, or be an asset to a company like soul cycle, like more behind the scenes. But I also think that I get to do something every day that comes decently naturally to me and improves other people's lives. And it's like, how could you ask for more than that? You know? So whether it be me branching out in the method that I'm teaching, which would use my, my dance background and, and my fitness background, doing more one-on-one, -on -one, starting my own company. Like these are things that all kind of like come in and out of my mind from time to time. Um, but it's luckily a, a flexible career too, that if I did want to do something that was totally different, all you do in that case is cut down the amount that you're teaching. You know, it's not uh -huh. an all or nothing thing. So I, I like that as well. Oh, that's great. What advice would you have for like upcoming dancers or gymnasts or anybody that's looking to maybe become a professional in the fitness space? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say if you have lived a life in a Leo, like, so if you have had that life, like know how special and unique it is, because even though it feels that you're like surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands of other girls or boys like you who are intensely training and it feels like you're just kind of like the drop in a bucket, like in the greater scheme of things, like you are so talented and have such a set of tools that not your average person has. So even if your life didn't look exactly like everyone else's with like the typical high school experience or like whatever it may be, like you have a set of tools that the world sees as extremely unique and extremely special. Like you've had the opportunity to train at a high level in a way that a lot of people have more been like a jack of all trades or just like done certain things to a certain extent. So I, I definitely look back was like, now I'm kind of like, wow, like I had like access to this high level of something that I thought was normal, but it really wasn't. Another thing I would say, especially to teenagers is that like, all of the things that you think are so prohibitive to you, like for me, it would have been like body or turnout or feet or like things like that. Like yep. they're really not. And like, they're, they're just really not like work on being the best that you can be like with whatever you were given, like work on the actual art of it and less on analyzing the, I don't know the, the things that you think you can't change because like you really don't know. And like, it's, you are perfect for something, someone, some production, some company, something somewhere. So 
Yeah. And then lastly, like one thing that ballet taught me that I, I reference a lot and has been helpful is that like the world is subjective. And like, I think a lot of our lives were told that things are fair and you get a higher grade on this test because you got this amount of answers right and you scored this many nets nets oh my god I sound like such a dancer uh you scored this many (laughs) this many goals like you can't score nets but (laughs) but like we're just so like reliant on the world being fair that sometimes when you get out into the real world and you're like wait like why did Sally get picked for that and I didn't it can really paralyze you and one Mm -hmm. thing that ballet and I'm sure gymnastics is like this too is like no like it's actually not all fair like it's very subjective there will be favorites but it doesn't have to ruin your life or paralyze you it can just be like another thing that you like know you know right right yeah learn from it and grow from it yeah awesome what does life in a leo mean to you i, I thought of, i thought about this a little bit because i was just pondering the name of the podcast and i really think what it means to me is that all areas of your life do kind of overlap. Like the saying, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like instead of compartmentalizing your life, like I attempted to when I was 18 and was like, I'm going to college and I was never a dancer and we're moving on from that. It all, everything in your life kind of bleeds into the other. And once you spend a significant portion of your life in a leotard or in any kind of kind of unique situation like that, it is going to carry forth into the rest of your life. And it's, Mm -hmm. you don't need to compartmentalize it. It's not just like that was your life in a Leo then, and this is your life in a suit or in whatever you're in. Like Uh (laughs) it's all, it's all one. It's like all of it is learning and lessons and kind of makes you who you are. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I've been focused a lot on people from the dance world. I think it provides some unique insight into what that lifestyle is like and how it compares to the training and focus of a gymnast. If you have ideas for future episodes, please let me know. You can email me, Rebecca at leotard.com or send me a message on Instagram at Rebecca's Mom Leo. Finally, I have a few shout outs this week. Our first one goes out to Yuna the gymnast. That's her Insta handle. Yuna has recently recovered from a foot injury. She's been working hard to get all her skills back so she can compete level nine next season. She's also working on some great upgrades on bars, including blindfolds, stalders, and learning the elite compulsory bar routine. Keep it up, Yuna. It sounds like you're doing a great job. Our next one goes to Anastasia Cardino, and that's her handle on Insta. This level 10 gymnast celebrated a birthday and got her first Rebecca's mom leotard. Woohoo! Happy birthday! She's also working some awesome upgrades on bars, including a blindfold into an Arabian double front dismount. Nice work, Anastasia! And our last shout out is from Grace with a freckle face, and that's her handle on Insta, to her BFF Callie. Grace wants to thank Callie for introducing her to Rebecca's mom leotards and for sharing the love of gymnastics with her. Wow, you guys, that is so sweet. Well, that's a wrap. Hope everyone has a great weekend. If you like what we're doing, please share it with your friends and family, and you can rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. Keep up all the great work, have fun out there, and don't forget to point your toes.